The following sermon is part of a series going through the book of Philippians, and it was preached at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. For more sermons, please visit our sermon audio page. It is our hope and prayer that this content is edifying for you. We turn in God's word this morning to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. The text this morning is verses 15 and 16. 15 and 16 of Philippians 3 as we continue our series in this epistle. Let's read the chapter. Hear the word of God. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might have, might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Ye doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. 
Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. We read that far in God's holy word. The text is verses 15 and 16, as I said. Let's reread those verses. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained... Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Beloved, in the church of Jesus Christ, there is such a thing as a mature believer. And there is such a thing as an immature believer. That is the teaching of this text. Although all believers need maturing, all believers must continue to grow. None have arrived, as we saw last week. None have reached perfection on this earth. All have only a small beginning. Yet, it is also true that some have reached a level called maturity, and others are yet immature in the faith. That is true physically, children. Physically speaking, obviously, children, young people, you are less physically mature than your adult parents, for example. Physically speaking and emotionally speaking and even socially speaking, there is much development that some who are immature children yet need. And that is true also spiritually. There is such a thing as spiritual babies in the church and there is such a thing as spiritual adults. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 is a passage that shows the same concept and is very explicit about that. It compares spiritual babes to spiritual adults. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. The same word is used there. Full age is mature or perfect in our text. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The writer of Hebrews speaks of the milk of the word and the meat of the word. 
There are some things more difficult in God's Word and some things easier to swallow like milk. And those who are spiritually mature can eat the meat. And those who are less mature have to drink the milk and not yet can eat the meat. Such are within the church of Jesus Christ. What about you? Are you as an individual mature or immature? In verse 15, when Paul uses that word perfect, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. Paul means by that word mature. Let us, therefore, as many as be mature, be thus minded. And then Paul explains in our text the mind and the behavior of the mature in the church. The Apostle Paul does this in an important context. In Philippians 3, Paul has been teaching two main doctrines. And we're going to come back to these two main doctrines. I mention it merely right now in the introduction. They are the doctrines of justification by faith alone without works. And secondly, the doctrine of progressive sanctification. These are two doctrines which we have seen in our series, Paul expounding upon in Philippians chapter 3, and not only positively explaining it, but we have talked about how he is combating errors regarding these two doctrines, justification by faith alone without works, and a progressive kind of sanctification. In this context... Regarding these two fundamental doctrines, Paul says in our text, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. He especially connects our text to the second of these two fundamental doctrines. He does so by making a play on words. Notice, the word perfect is used in verse 12 that we considered last week. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, Paul says, but I follow after. And we saw that follow after there means I run with an exerted effort in life. We considered last time that one error which Paul fought against in this passage in verses 12 through 14 was the error of perfectionism. Perfectionism has different varieties, but the perfectionist taught and believed that people could achieve perfection in some sense on this earth, becoming sinless in some regard, at least well nigh close to it. And Paul spoke against that idea of perfectionism in verse 12. He uses the verb form, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But there's another way to understand that word perfect, and that's the way in our text. It's a noun form. Perfect doesn't have to mean sinless as Paul had used it earlier, but perfect can mean mature. Paul now takes that word 
and does a play on words. Let us, therefore, as many as be truly perfect, he means, mature, be thus minded. We can say Paul is putting it this way. Perfect believers don't think they're perfect in the sense of sinless. Truly mature believers know that they are far from such perfection or sinlessness. And if you're scratching your head and wondering, I, I, don't, I don't quite understand that, then perhaps you need some maturing this morning. To that end, consider this text with me under the theme, spiritual maturity in the church. Spiritual maturity in the church. First, the mature-minded. Secondly, the otherwise-minded. And then the like-minded. In our text, Paul, Paul is explaining the spiritually mature in the church. And in talking about the spiritually mature with that word perfect, he speaks of two main doctrines that the spiritually minded will have in their minds. They are thus minded, he says in our text. And I said already in the, in the introduction that he is referring to the doctrines of justification by faith alone and the doctrine of sanctification and progressive sanctification in particular. Let's review those doctrines. But we'll put it in terms this morning of our text, using especially the word perfect. First, a mature believer knows in his heart and mind that the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed unto him freely in Jesus Christ by faith alone. That doctrine first must be in the mind of every mature believer, the heart of the gospel. The perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed unto me by faith alone. The perfect are thus minded. Some commentators in explaining the thus minded here want only to refer back to the immediate preceding verses of sanctification. But that cannot be. It cannot be because, as we read in chapter 3, Paul doesn't separate sanctification from justification. In fact, he includes it in the same sentence, almost as though it is a run-on. In verse 9, we read of justification, the end of his talk about justification, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And then Paul has not done he connects verses 10 and following, which is about sanctification, very closely to justification, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, 
The mature believer doesn't separate these two doctrines. He doesn't either mix them up. The doctrines of justification and sanctification are joined together in perfect unity and harmony without contradiction. And Paul says first, the spiritually mature are thus minded. They know what the gospel of justification is. They know that the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed unto them. Do you know that? I put it that way, perfect righteousness. Not only because the text uses the word perfect, but because you must understand that Jesus did not only suffer and die for you. He did that. But the doctrine of justification includes this. That he obeyed. He obeyed the Ten Commandments. He obeyed the law perfectly for you. He didn't only suffer all his life and die on the cross to cover all of your sins. He did that. That is part of justification. But he also, while he was suffering all his life, and as he was dying on the cross, he was obeying all ten commandments in your place. That's the work of his justification of you. The spiritually mature understand that. Not only Christ's suffering, but Christ's obedience is for me. The spiritually mature understand that this justification happens in time. Yes, yes, it's also true that God from eternity looks upon us as righteous in Jesus Christ. But the spiritually mature understand that when Scripture speaks of justification by faith, as verse 9 does, as Paul does in Philippians 3, it's speaking about justification by faith in time, that is. That God takes the heart of the sinner, the ungodly sinner, like you would me. And he joins us to Jesus Christ by the bond of faith as a branch is joined to the living vine. And through that faith that becomes conscious in the child of God so that he believes in Jesus Christ. He hears. And he is assured I am perfectly righteous before God only because of Jesus Christ and without my works. There is the assurance even, the confidence of justification by faith alone without works. We've considered that. That is the mature understanding of justification by faith alone. A mature believer doesn't just know this doctrine intellectually. The mature believer with his mind isn't just able to read about justification, understand it with his brain, articulate it, defend it, and tell other people how right or wrong they are about it. 
But when Paul speaks of being thus minded, he's talking about an experiential knowledge of justification. The mature believer knows, I, though I am ungodly, God declares me righteous in Jesus. And I'm sure, confident of it, through faith in Jesus alone. This gospel impacts his heart. It's everything to him. He says, as Paul says, I count all things but dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, who is my righteousness. He says, I am perfect, not because of myself I am, of myself I am a wretched sinner, but I am perfect because of the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ imputed to me. Oh, what a gospel. You are a mature believer who knows this experientially. Are you thus minded? Secondly, a mature believer knows in his heart what it means that Christ has given to him a perfect new man for that progressive sanctification. Not only does a mature believer understand that the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ is judged or imputed unto him, but he also understands that a perfect new man of Jesus Christ is infused into him that he might live a life of progressive sanctification. That's the context. That's what Paul has been explaining immediately preceding our text against the perfectionist and antinomian tendencies that were in those days and are in our days also. Paul says the mature believer, as many as be perfect or mature, are thus minded. Now, a mature believer doesn't understand it comprehensively. The mature believer has a level of understanding of this mystery. I'm a sinner. I still have a totally depraved old man that pervades, that pervades my entire being. And yet, Christ Jesus has done a heart transplant. He has worked in the very core of me, the mature believer understands. A new heart. A new heart that can live. A new heart that seeks to know Christ more. A new heart that seeks to live a holy life more and more. The, the mature believer recognizes that. He understands that. He says, I am perfect. Yes, I am sinless even according to the new man. 
And it's exactly by the power of the new man that I recognize I still have a sinfully depraved nature. And it's by that new man that I know that I haven't reached perfection. And it's by that new man, therefore, that I strive for it, even though I don't reach it on this earth. It is by that new man that I am thankful. And I desire to serve my Savior with every part of me. It is by that new man that I fight. I fight daily against that corrupt old man. And I run that race set before me. The mature believer is thus minded. He knows his perfect righteousness in Jesus Christ imputed to him by faith alone. And he knows the perfect new man infused into him to live a sanctified life. That word perfect in our text, I said, can be translated mature. It also can be translated whole. Same or similar idea of mature. Whole. Whole. The mature believer, therefore, I say, believes the whole gospel. The whole gospel is within his mind and his heart. The whole gospel about Christ's righteousness imputed and about Christ's holiness infused. The whole gospel. United. Almost like the two natures of Jesus Christ, though not identical, but almost like the two natures of Jesus Christ, his deity and humanity, perfectly united. Now the whole gospel, justification and sanctification, perfectly united within the mind of the mature believer. Be thus minded. The mature believer's mind perseveres in this. Verse 15 is not only explaining who the mature believer is, but is an exhortation unto the mature believer. The exhortation is to continue or to persevere in this mind. The present continuation or continuing action is used. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect... Be thus minded. Literally, be thinking this way. Don't ever stop thinking this way about your salvation, about the whole gospel. Continue to hold these doctrines in your mind. The mature believer doesn't deny the perfect work of Jesus Christ in either regard, whether it be justification or sanctification. Amidst the pendulum swings that take place and have taken place all through history, and amidst the pendulum swings that takes place, even in our denomination at times, through controversy, where things are said to a denial of justification by faith alone without works, or things are said to a denial of sanctification according to the new man that is progressive. Don't give either up. The devil 
attacks both. He always has. The mature will vigorously fight to hold to the whole gospel. They are thus minded. An implication here is an implication of encouragement. Paul speaks to encourage the Philippian church. To encourage them not only to persevere, but to encourage them in saying, You Philippians, many of you are thus minded. Let us, he says, includes the pronoun us. You, many of you along with me, Paul says, you are thus minded. Now continue. Continue. You do have a mature understanding of these things. Now don't be bored by them. Hold to them. Think on them. And keep on holding firmly to them. Verse 16 has that same idea of encouragement by implication. Paul speaks of them having these doctrines in their minds. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same things. You have attained, he means, unto a certain understanding of these things. Now continue. Think. Develop. Continue to be thus minded. And that continuation includes walking. Walking or living your life according to these two doctrines. Consistent with them. He says that explicitly in verse 16. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. That is, let us live our lives. Let us live our lives every day of the week, not just on Sundays. Not, when, not only when we're having a discussion on the controversy, so to speak. But let us live our lives consistent with the doctrines of justification by faith alone and the doctrines of sanctification according to the new man that is progressive. The word rule in our text is the word canon. Walk by the same canon. It's the same word that's used to describe Scripture, the canon of Holy Scripture. In children, the word canon means measuring stick. Think of a measuring stick, perhaps, that your parents have in their home that measures your height as you grow up. And every time you stand in front of that measuring stick, you're looking, you're looking at those who are taller than you, perhaps your parents, and you're saying, I want to measure up. I want to grow up. And, and, and the standard is, is there, up there, I want to measure up, measuring stick. God's Word. God's Word is the measuring stick of the lives 
of God's people and the mature, though they will never measure up perfectly in this life to the perfect Word of God, they will, like that child, always seek to live a life according to the standard, the measuring stick of Scripture. Paul refers to the mature in the church of Philippi living that way. But Paul also speaks of those who are not mature. And he describes them in our text as those who are the otherwise minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. Now, commentators debate who exactly these otherwise-minded are. And there is no definite conclusion as to the details of who these otherwise-minded are. The Holy Spirit intentionally leaves it general and vague for us in the New Testament. But there are a couple of important points to consider that the Spirit does point out about these otherwise-minded. First, these otherwise-minded were members of the church at Philippi. A simple point, but very important. These otherwise-minded were spiritually immature yet, were members of the church of Philippi. Paul's writing to the Philippian church as a whole, and in chapter 3, Paul repeatedly speaks of the members of the Philippian church, a true church of Jesus Christ, nonetheless, as brothers, as brethren. He does so in verse 1. Finally, my brethren rejoice in the Lord. In verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In verse 17, brethren, be followers together of me. Right after our text. Brethren, spiritual brothers and sisters. And in verse 15, he continues to speak to these brethren using now the second person personal pronoun, ye or you. If in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. He does not describe the immature in the church of Jesus Christ, even those who had other thoughts, than that which was good and true. He doesn't describe them as reprobates. He does not call them heretics. He does not speak of them as unregenerate and unbelievers. He calls them brethren. In verse 2, now a contrast, Paul spoke, remember, of dogs, of evil workers, and those of the concision. 
he called false teachers such names. He was sharp against those Judaizers who contradicted the gospel. But in our text, Paul is not speaking to such false teachers, to those enemies of the gospel. Paul knows the difference, beloved, and you ought to as well. He knows the difference between wolves and sheep clothing, that's verse 2, and sheep who have been confused by wolves. Paul refers to members, brothers in the church of Jesus Christ. And secondly, these members who are spiritually immature had serious errors. Had serious errors. The word otherwise is not a soft word. It's not heretic, but it's hetero or different. Where we get the English word today, heterodoxy. Perhaps we need to add that to our vocabulary. In our text, Paul does not speak of heretics who intentionally and persistently teach false doctrine. Those were the Judaizers. But he speaks of members who had some heterodox ideas. Exactly what those ideas were, we don't know. Most probably, Paul speaks of ideas that had come about as a result of listening too closely to false teachers in the world. And thus, they may there may have been some antinomian leanings in the Philippian church among the members. And there may have been some legalistic leanings among the Philippians in the church of that day. They were not thinking rightly about important doctrines of God's word regarding both justification and sanctification. And Paul changes the pronoun to distinguish between himself and such immature believers. Ye be otherwise minded. And implied is, you need to grow up. You who are otherwise minded. You need to understand these doctrines more. You need to learn how to reject the errors of your day. It's serious. And yet you are my brethren in the church of Jesus Christ. Beloved members of Hope PRC, some of you are yet immature. I don't mean that to talk down to you. It is simply the reality the reality of the church yet on this earth. In every true church, even, you will have those who are spiritually mature and those who are spiritually immature. If there are children and young people within the church, for example, those that we catechize in catechism classes, they are still maturing in their faith. 
When they speak up in catechism class, as I encourage them to speak up in catechism class, they are going to get some answers wrong. Even some answers wrong regarding sanctification and justification. And we don't call them heretics. We call what they say heterodox, wrong. And then they, we correct them and teach them according to the scriptures. Because they are yet growing in understanding of God's word. That is normal in the true church of Jesus Christ. In addition to children, young people, there, there, there can be, there, there might be even in this church, those who grow up physically and they make confession of faith among the elders. And yet those doctrines have never truly sunk in to their hearts. As much as it should. And there's a stagnancy and a laxity and a confusion even upon important doctrines. A disinterest in it. And yes, such are still immature. And they must grow. It is even possible that those who once had a spiritual mature understanding of these things digress or decline because of impenitent sin which blinds or because of false teachers that confuse as was the case in Paul's day. If you are otherwise minded, there is a spiritual immaturity and you are called on the basis of God's word to grow, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is Christ's word to you, brothers, sisters. Paul speaks of the immature members of the church. And we know something about them. But what is perhaps more important than who these are is how Paul deals with them. Notice, God shall reveal even this unto you, he says. You who are otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. What you hear there is a patience. A patience. Now remember, he's not minimizing the problem. He calls it heterodox. But he has a patience. A long-suffering. He doesn't read into motives. He doesn't make rash accusations. He doesn't say, since Philippians, you have some immature among you, they're not a true church anymore. But he understands the difference between false teachers and those who are confused by false teachers. And he has patience toward them. A patience not only, but a trust in God. He says, God will reveal this even unto you. He shall. He knows that God in his time with the preaching of the word. With the examples of those who were mature in the church of Philippi. God would reveal it in his time. And grow those 
who are yet immature. He understands, Paul does, that just as a farmer cannot make the crops grow, so also even the apostle Paul could not make an immature Philippian grow. It's God's work. Paul himself knew personally that he couldn't grow, and he couldn't grow himself unless God, by his power, grew him, matured him. It's the grace of God. And thus he is confessing in this passage, I wait upon my God to grow you. That is spiritual maturity. Not only an understanding of the doctrines of justification and sanctification, but that kind of patience and trust in the God of salvation to grow His church, mature the people of His church, is the kind of life you see that is consistent with this gospel. In fact, those who lash out in malice and impatience may think they are mature, but have yet a lot to grow in a real understanding, a true, sincere, experiential understanding of the gospel. For beloved, has not God been so patient and long-suffering with you? Do you not understand that? Have you always been mature? Even if you are today, the most mature of us will look back and say, remember not, O oh God, the sins of long ago. And you can remember all of your immaturities. How long it even took you to mature spiritually. And the Lord has been so patient with you and forgiven you. Have you always had a clear understanding of justification and sanctification? You have to acknowledge no. Has your faith always been so genuine and sincere? And you have to acknowledge no. Has your life always been consistent with this gospel? And you and I have to acknowledge no. And is it not true also that though you may have a certain level of maturity, you only have a small beginning? both in your understanding of doctrine as well as in your life. Every day you and I find plenty of inconsistencies with this gospel of justification and sanctification. And the Lord forgives. The Lord is patient. He is gentle. Beloved, knowing this gospel Be kind one to another, 
tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Learn how to say with Paul, with patience and trust, God shall reveal even this unto you. That leads to a like-mindedness. Nevertheless, Paul says, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Spiritually mature believers, as they have patience, as they trust, will seek the unity. They will seek the unity of the church in that way. No, Paul's not encouraging a laxity. He's not saying, just leave the immaturities and not address them. But he calls the church into activity. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. And the picture there is that of marching. Marching soldiers. Children, what is true of soldiers? They show forth a unity and an orderliness, a discipline to stick together. The picture is of soldiers who are marching in a row together, together, onward. There is an activity in your patience with one another, in your long suffering with each other. You catechize. You must sometimes rebuke. You discuss God's word with each other. You grow together. You have your leaders, your pastor, your elders lead. And yes, if there is a rebellion, yes, if there is an insistence upon false doctrine or a life inconsistent with that doctrine, then the rebuke becomes, becomes discipline. And that is part of the walking together as disciplined soldiers. A like-minded walking. But that like-mindedness is not only activity, But as we have seen already, it begins with humility. When you hear the word like-minded, and you have been here in our series on Philippians, then your mind goes back to Philippians 2. Remember? Philippians 2, verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. And you remember what the like-mindedness there is, first and foremost. It is the humility of Jesus Christ. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He took on the form of a slave and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Paul says, be like-minded. Out of thankfulness for the Savior who has humbled himself for you,
be like-minded. That is the mature mind. And that's how we started out, remember, the play on words. The mature, those who are truly perfect in the sense of whole, know that they are far from perfect. And with humility, thinking of others is better than themselves. They pursue the unity in the church of Jesus Christ as mature believers. With the doctrines of justification and sanctification always in their minds. So let it be. Amen. Let's pray. Father, grow us, grow us in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and His precious gospel. Grow us in an understanding of the whole gospel. Give us, all of us, a greater maturity, for we have yet a small beginning Bless us, we pray, with thy Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that we may have a true faith and a stronger and stronger faith, maturing in our understanding and application of the gospel. Thou hast brought us through much in the last years, we pray that the lessons that Thou hast taught us in these trials may be lessons we learn and lessons which we cling to, being thus minded as Thy Word calls us unto. Forgive, we pray, and sanctify for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. It is our hope that it was edifying to you. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them to be notified as future messages are published. We welcome you to join us on Sundays for worship at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. You can find more information about us at our website, hopeprchurch.org. Also, you can follow us on our Hope Protestant Reformed Church Facebook page. And you can email the Reform Witness Committee with any questions or feedback at hope rwc at gmail dot com. Thank you.